Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Fathers, we are gathered in this room today. We stand together in the power of Christ, the power of the resurrection, the power that is displayed to us over death and over life, the power over sin and the grave, the power to be your children, for you to be our God. Father, we stand in that promise. We stand in that today. We pray that as we have lifted up our voices to you, that this would have been a sweet sound to your ear, that you would have been blessed by your people together, praising you, giving you the worship that you are worthy of, that you deserve. And now, Father, as we turn to the pages of Scripture, we invite you to speak to us, to bless us, to move in us, and to change us. We ask you to speak to our heads, our minds, and to our hearts today, to move from what we hear, to move that into our hands, into our feet. And God, today, would you teach us how to love better? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, it's great to see you this morning. Glad that you're here with us. Glad that you're tuned in online as well. Thanks for making this a part of your weekend. Uh, I want to mention a couple things just by quick announcement. A lot of things happening right now. We're kind of in this uh, fast track towards Easter, only four weeks away now. Uh, Some things happening in our student ministry, our faith students. That's our middle school and high school age group. Uh, They're meeting again tonight, as they do most uh, Sunday nights at 6.30 for their youth group time. So if you've got a middle school or high school student in your life, you want to be sure that they're there for that. But also, uh, the faith student ministry will be uh, hosting a uh, rigatoni dinner next Sunday after our service. This is a fundraiser to help uh, help our students make it to their uh, summer conferences. We've got a group of middle school kids going to Indiana this year, a group of high school kids going to Michigan uh, for a week of wonderful conferences uh, for them. And to help them get there, help cut cut some of that cost uh, for those students and their parents, uh, they're going to do a, a another one of these fundraisers and there's gonna be lunch next week so we invite you to not make lunch plans uh, after church next week and stick around and support our kids and enjoy a delicious meal uh, with them next Sunday also uh, Noah our student minister is looking for some candy donations Uh, they've got an Easter egg hunt for that student ministry plan in a couple of weeks a lot of fun they'll have and if you could donate a small a bag of small candy that'll fit in the Easter eggs uh, he'd appreciate that as well our faith kids ministry that's our elementary age stuff uh, our stuff for elementary age kids they've got an event coming up in a couple weeks on Friday Friday night, March 31st. Uh, that is called the, Kara's calling it the My Storybook uh, event, and that's a Friday night from 6 to 8, and the kids will be playing games, and they're kind of trying to develop uh, uh, what their story is, to learn how to tell their own story and how their story weaves into God's story. It's going to be a really, really special event. So if you've got a, uh, a kindergartner through fifth grader in your life, you want to be sure that they are here for that on uh, March 31st. And Josie, our worship minister, asked me to uh, mention to you, uh, a lot of you signed up to participate in our Easter choir uh, coming up. And those choir practice, if, you're, if you did sign up for that, uh, she's going to begin doing some rehearsals tonight and, and every Sunday night between now and Easter at 5.30. Sunday evenings at 5.30, so if you're on that list, uh, please show up tonight if you're available. If you're not on that list yet, it's not too late. She wanted me to be sure I emphasize this. It's not too late, and we would love to have your voice join with the voice of others uh, to help lead our worship on Easter Sunday morning. And so just show up tonight at 5.30, and uh, that'll be a wonderful time, and we look forward to, uh, to hearing from the choir and those of you participating in that. Uh, here's one thing that I know about every single one of us. 
regardless of where you are in life, no matter which team you root for, no matter which candidate you vote for, no matter how old you are, I know this about you. We all want quick results. We want quick results with our diet. We want quick results when we make an investment. We want quick results with schooling. We all want quick results. And what I mean is we don't wait very well. Nobody signs up to lose 20 pounds over the next six years. Now, some of us are on that plan, you know, where we lose a couple and gain seven more and then lose a couple more. And some of us are on that plan, but we want it to be done quickly. You would never sign up for a plan that looked like that. But we recognize, we, we're mature enough to know, we've been around the block enough times that to know that that's not usually possible to get quick results. And so 28 days... 28 days seems to be a good amount of time for something to happen, or at least to begin to see some progress towards something happening. In fact, many ads on social media, on the TV, on the internet right now will tell you that their product can do great things for you in just 28 days. You can get a better body. You can shrink your stomach. You can reset your gut health. Whatever your gut health is, you can do it in 28 days. You can improve your strength. They'll even tell you you can get smarter in 28 days 28 days well it just so happens that we are as you sit here this morning we are 28 days away from easter sunday 28 days away from celebrating the resurrection of jesus together in this room and on this broadcast so what we're going to do as a church over the next 28 days is we're going to i'm going to ask you to, to join me in 28 days of prayer We've been talking for the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue to talk until Easter Sunday during our teaching time about prayer, about this idea of prayer, of communicating with God, this idea of the real you and the real God having a real conversation. And I'm going to challenge you over the next 28 days to make prayer a priority in mind. Let me, let me kind of start with the end in mind here. This is kind of where we've been going the last couple of weeks that we've built towards this. What if, what if in 28 days, on Easter Sunday morning, when you walked into this room, in those 28 days, you had developed a habit of talking to God. Like it wasn't just, you know, worst case scenario, I'm panicked, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to cry out in prayer, which is a legitimate prayer, and we pray those prayers all the time. But what if over the next 28 days, we developed a habit of just the real you and the real God having a real conversation? What if after 28 days, you sensed that God was actually listening to you and answering you? What if after 28 days, you could begin to notice the ways that God was moving in your life because maybe you had never noticed them before? What if after 28 days, you began to notice God's fingerprints on different things in our world because you were more aware of what God is doing? What if in 28 days, you had a place to take all of that anxiety and, that you feel in life and all, all of the stress that you feel because of work and raising your family and the stress of turning on the news. All, there's a place for all of that just to be delivered to. What if you could do that in 28 days? What if, in 20, if after 20, 28 days you felt your feelings of discouragement and depression and anxiety begin to dissipate? What if at the end of 28 days, you felt more centered and balanced than you have in years? 
Would you sign up for that? Would you sign up for that kind of 28-day program? Let me give you a little metaphor. What if, in 28 days, instead of God being the fire extinguisher that we run to when things are just going sideways, what if instead of the fire extinguisher, God became more like the, the fireproof suit that we wore so that we were fireproof all the time? Here's the idea. Instead of God being the last resort, let's make him the first. Maybe here's a good way to say it. Maybe this should be an attitude that we develop and, and adopt in our families and even in our church. That prayer isn't the only thing we do, but it's the first thing we do. So let's learn how to prioritize prayer. We're going to learn how to pray. And even if you're far away from believing in the Bible and Jesus and God, you're not sure about any of this stuff yet, if that's you, I'm glad you're here. That's okay. Come with your questions. It's okay. Even if that's you, you still pray. You pray. I know you do. You may not be sure how or to whom you're praying to, but everybody cries out to God at some point. So what if we learned how? And what if we had the confidence knowing he was listening and he was moving? So over the next 28 days, we're going to learn how to do that. We're going to practice that every single day. We're going to learn tools to help us do that. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, when we started this series on prayer, I'm going to try to give you some very practical tools to help you do that. And one of these tools that I'm going to give you today is simply a prayer guide. As you leave today, uh, we're going to hand you one of these. And you can take one per, for family. You can take one for everyone in your family, however you need to do this. And I'm going to in, invite you to join me on this prayer journey together, and we're going to work through this little, it's, it's not even fancy, I made this, okay, it's staples and mimeograph paper, all right, it's nothing, there's nothing to it, but I'm going to encourage you to join me in this. And each day, well, first off, let me say this, because some of you are going to get confused, I'm saying 28 days, you're going to open this up and go, there's only 20 of these, I know there's only 20 of these, help me do the math here, all right? Monday through Friday for the next four weeks. That's, that's what this is. The weekends, you're on your own. Saturday, you're on Sunday, come to church, we'll pray together here. Okay, now you're with me? All right, 28 days. That's 28 days of prayer, beginning tomorrow. And there's a date on each one of these. And so you open it up, you've got a date. At the very top of the, of the page, there's some stuff in blue. That is some scripture. And that's just, I've just copied and pasted that right off the internet into this, this, this document for you. I want you to read some scripture. And then ask yourself, as you read scripture, what is God saying to me through this passage today? Below that, there's some stuff in black. The stuff in black is just some thoughts that I have um, collected. Some of these are original to me. Most of them are not. Just some thoughts I've collected about the scripture and about prayer that I want you to read and just consider and ponder. And then at the bottom in red is a prayer or a, a prompt for prayer, a way to help you begin some prayer time. What I'm going to challenge you to do is to find a space in your life over the next 28 days that every day you pull out this little book and you can read through it, read through the scripture, read through the little devotional thought, and then spend a few minutes praying to God. We get into this habit, begin to develop this habit of prayer together. Will you do that with me? Nod your head yes. Let me know you're here and alive. Very good. So be sure you grab one of these on your way out. Um, if you lose yours, because you know, you're like my kid and they get handed something at school and it never makes it home. If that's you, you know, you learned that in fifth grade, but you're still doing it as a grown-up, it's okay. Go to our website, fccnp.org. Right on the front page of the website, this is in a PDF. You can download it, get a digital copy, put it on your phone. We want to make this as easy and accessible to you as possible. I'm still old school. I was born way back in the 1900s. And, um, <clears throat> way back and uh, I, I still like stuff on paper so that's me if you're a digital person it's available for you to download right there off the front page of our website let's do this together go on this journey together over the 28 days 
Now, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the purpose, uh, the purpose of prayer. We've talked about the person of prayer. Today, as we continue this conversation of, of prayer, I want to talk about the pattern of prayer. And what does it look like? And how do I even pray? And we're going to go back to this passage in the Bible where we've been the last couple of weeks, where we see Jesus begin to get very clear with us about what prayer really is. And Jesus says, I want to challenge the way you think about prayer. I want to challenge you that it's not just religious words and cliches and a magic trick and you got to stand the right way and hold your hands the right way and say the exact right thing in order to get God's attention. That this is a real person, you, and a real God having a real conversation. Jesus wants to challenge the way we think about prayer. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 5. He says, when you pray, we got to stop right there. When you pray, Jesus is assuming that we're going to pray. He is assuming there's going to come a moment in our lives where we want to talk to God. Again, even if we don't believe in God yet, even if we have a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty about this whole thing, there's still going to come a moment where we cry out to God. Jesus is assuming when you pray that you're going to pray. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Do you know people like that? You know, if there had been social media back in Jesus' day, there would have been selfies all over the place of these religious people. Look, you know, hashtag knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, something like that, right? They would have been promoting themselves as praying people, constantly letting people know, everybody know, how spiritual they were. You've probably been around some people like that before, right? They start praying or they just start talking and all these christian cliches and i call it christian ease like it's its own language begin to surface out and you're like nobody talks like that why are you talking like that and they keep going and you're just thinking i'm gonna barf why stop 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 with the cliches stop with the words this is a real you a real conversation with real words to the real god jesus continues truly i tell you they have received their reward in full in other words They got what they wanted, standing in the street corners in the synagogues to be seen by people. They got what they wanted. They wanted attention, and they got it. People walk by and say, oh, they're so spiritual. They must be, they they got their likes, they got their thumbs ups, but you want more, and I want more. And Jesus says, you don't have to do that to get God's attention. That's not how we do it. Verse 6, but when you pray, Jesus goes on, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. And pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, this doesn't mean you can never pray out loud. It doesn't mean you can't pray if you're leading a Bible study, if you're standing up here on the platform of church. That's not what it means. It just means we don't do this to get the attention drawn to us. Rather, we pray to get God's attention. We pray to communicate with God. Jesus goes on. When you pray, here we go again. When you pray... You've got to pray. You've got to pray. Do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Now, I have a feeling that when Jesus said this back in the first century, there have been some church people around, some, some, some religious people around. There have been some people who had no clue what any of this was about. But I got a, I got a feeling that people would have giggled at this, that this was a kind of a punchline. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. It was probably a bit of an uncomfortable laugh. Because they didn't know, you know, has somebody been watching me while I've tried to do this? And, and then maybe there's a little nervous laughter right there. Don't babble on like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And we've got to stop right there for a second, because that's an important, important thing that Jesus says here. It's not a problem to pray all night long. Some of you have been in, in moments in your life where there's no other, no other choice but to lay awake all night because you couldn't sleep and just to cry out to God over and over and over again. It's not a problem to do that. It's not a problem to pray the same thing for months and months and months. I and mean, some of you, I know some of you have been praying for specific people for years or even decades now in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. You keep praying for them. What Jesus is saying here, this is not about the quantity. It's about the quality. It's not about the amount of words. It's about the authenticity, the honesty of your words. Again, the real you and the real God having a real conversation. So let me just kind of take a time out for a minute. And because what we've read here can, can leave us with a few questions. So give me a couple minutes. I want to deal with kind of in the, kind of the bulk of our time today, and then we'll get to something else. But I want to deal with some of the, the objections that we have when it comes to prayer. Some of the things that you think when, when you hear the preacher say things like, we're going to go on this 28-day prayer journey together. We're going we're to walk through this thing of prayer between now and Easter. When you hear that, there's some pushback that whether you do it intentionally or not, it's going to pop up in your head. Some objections that we have when it comes to prayer. And then, then I'm going to show you a, a, a simple way based on the, the, the Lord's Prayer, maybe how we can learn to pray. So here's objection number one. We start talking about prayer. A lot of people think, well, well, why would I pray if God already knows? Right? And we just read that. The Father knows what you need before you ask it. Jesus just said that. Why would I pray if God already knows? Have you ever thought that? We just read Jesus saying that. You don't keep on babbling on. Your Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Well, well, then I guess if he knows what I need, I don't need to say it. There's no need to pray. And that's, why would he even say that? Are we all just all cars on the same track going in the same direction? What good does it really do? Here's my answer to this objection. This is not really about the request that you make when you pray. Prayer's not really about the request. It's about the relationship that you are building with your Heavenly Father. Let me give you an example. When one of my daughters, I've got two daughters, when one of them comes home from a hard day at school and one of her friends has said something to her that has offended her or hurt her or someone has been mean to her and she sits down at the kitchen table and she begins to just let it all out and begins to cry about what was said, I don't stop her. And I don't say, yeah, 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 I've heard this, it's okay, I, I, we, we've gone through this before, I know this is the way that things go, Mean Girls is not a movie, it's a documentary, I know that's just the way it is, I get it, you had a problem this week, you had this problem last week, you're going to have the same problem next week, of course, that's not what I do, that's not how I respond to my daughter in the moment. I listen to her, I let her air out her grievances, what's going on, what are we doing? We are building the relationship. It's more about the relationship than it's what she's complaining about. And even though I know, I know how this thing is going to play out, because I've seen it a hundred times. I was in middle school once too. I know how this works. I want to be with my daughter through this difficult time. And God already knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles the challenges, the stress of what you're dealing with, he already knows, but it is the relationship that he wants. So here's another objection that we have. 
Some people after well, you know, I never heard from God. Some people think they hear from God all the time. I've never heard from God. I hear people talking all the time. God told me this, and God spoke to me about this, and God said I should do this. I'll try to deal with this a little bit more next week. But the answer to this objection, my answer to you for this objection of, well, I've never heard from God is, yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, maybe you haven't. Maybe you have. I, I don't know. Here's the, what I do know. We are told in Scripture that when we become followers of Jesus, when we're baptized into Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, that's part of the Trinity of God, the Holy Spirit, God, takes up residence in our lives. He lives in us, which means that he doesn't have to use the rudimentary ways of speaking audibly to us. He can communicate to us through our mind, through other people, through circumstances in life. I'm just going to tell you, I've, I've been doing this pastoring thing for a long time now. It gets longer every day as I look at the, at, the, at the gray hairs on the beard, right? I've been around this thing a long time. I grew up in the church. My dad's a preacher. I've been around churches and church people and God and Christian camp and all this stuff forever. I'm going to tell you, I have never, in my 50 plus years, I have never heard an audible voice from God. Some of you may have. And if that's you, I'm, I'm, that's awesome. I have never heard the audible voice of God, but there is absolutely no question in my mind that God has spoken to me and that God has directed me. And if you don't believe me, someday ask me. I'll tell you the story about how I became the preacher here 18 years ago. All right? I, I, I know that God has moved in my life. He's directed me, but I've never heard him speak. Do you know, do you know how many times Jesus heard an audible voice from God. If you read through the biographies of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you know how many times Jesus, the Son of God, heard an audible voice from God? Three. Just three times. So don't think because you've never heard from God that you're not praying or that your prayers aren't being heard or that you can't pray just because you think you've never heard the voice from God. Here's another objection that a lot of people have. Well, I'm not good enough. Why would God listen to me? I'm not good enough. What we mean by this is we feel like we are not perfect enough or passionate enough or faithful enough or committed enough to get a yes from God. Can I just tell you, just because God has said no or just because God has said not yet doesn't mean that you are not good enough. I've said this before from this platform. I will say it again. There is nothing, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And when you speak, he leans forward. He wants to hear from you. Your voice is his favorite voice. There's this example in scripture of Jesus the night before, well, the night he was arrested after he had instituted the Lord's Supper to his disciples of celebrating Passover, he goes to this garden, and he's praying. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows he's going to be crucified the next day. And Jesus passionately prays all night long, prays so intensely that literally the capillaries in his forehead burst, and he was weeping and sweating drops of blood because of the intensity of his prayer. And God still said no. Jesus was asking, is there another way we can do this? Is there another way to bring salvation to the world? And the Father said no, and it had nothing to do with Jesus not being perfect enough or Jesus not being passionate enough. 
And this whole idea of you're not good enough to get a yes from God, just, just throw that out. Here's another objection that we have when it comes to this thing of prayer. I, I just don't know how. I, I, I don't know how. I see everybody else do it. I hear the preacher do it at church. Uh, they seem to do it a whole lot better than I can do it. They seem to have this hotline with God. Well, let me just say it like this. It's true that Lance Armstrong can ride a bicycle a lot more efficiently and faster than you can. But I bet you can still ride a bike, can't you? There might be people who are more versed in it, people who have done it longer, but here again, Jesus is saying it's not about the words, it's not about the babbling on, it's about the authenticity, the real you and the real God having a real conversation. Now, each of the last two weeks, I've shown you this question that the disciples had for Jesus. They come to Jesus, this great question. They come to Jesus and say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? In other words, Jesus, we must be doing this wrong. You seem to have this figured out because the way you pray is a lot different than the way we pray, uh, the way we were taught to pray, and it's fascinating to us the way you pray. Uh, what's really interesting to me is that the disciples have been around Jesus when they ask this question a long time. They have seen some amazing things. They have seen Jesus heal people. Blind people can see. Lame people can walk. They've seen Jesus um, raise people from the dead. They've seen Jesus... They've seen Jesus turn water into wine. There's a lot of things that I think I maybe would have asked Jesus to teach me how to do. They say, teach us how to pray. They don't ask, show us the, the tricks, show us the miracles, show us how to do that. They ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. That's what we want to know, Jesus. How do we pray? I want to know how, do you, how to talk to our Heavenly Father the way that you are talking to your Father so that I know that I've been heard. And so Jesus gives them this template. We've looked at this the last couple of weeks, this template, this example of how to pray. It's not the only way to pray, but it's a template. It's a way to start how to pray. And he says this, and that's when Jesus gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. I'm going to ask you to read this out loud with me. We've done this the last couple of weeks. Let's pray this prayer together. Uh, th let's just read these words right from Scripture. Again, this is the New Living Translation. We did this one last week. Let's read this prayer together. Pray this, this, this the Our Father, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Let's read it. You read it off the screen with me. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to give you, just to kind of answer this question of I don't know how to pray and help us move towards this 28-day journey together, I want to give you a great way to remember this template from the, the, the Jesus gives us, the Lord's Prayer, a great way to help you learn how to pray, a great way for you to practice prayer. And this comes from a little book written by a guy named Pete Gregg, and the book is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Check it out. You can find it on Amazon or whatever. Great little book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Here's how the author of this book, Pete Gregg, how he helps us understand the template that Jesus gives us. He gives us four words. These are easy to remember. The four words are this. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. You figured it out already. It spells pray, right? Say P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. I love this little thing. Let me just walk through these real quickly. 
uh, before we're out of time today. Let's, here's the first one, pause. Jesus tells us, and we read this earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus says, go to your room, close the door. Now, you don't have to be in a specific room. You don't have to be in a room. The, the idea here is that you make space for God. You pause. You, you, you put everything else on hold for just a couple of minutes, and you make some space in your busyness and in your chaos and in your stress and in your day. You make some space for God. Take some deep breaths. Put your phone on, do not disturb. Make some space for God. Pause so that you can listen to God, that you can take in a little silence. Take a breath. Yes, God can hear you in a crowded room, but there's something about when we take a moment, we create a space for God, and we pause that we are able to hear Him better. Pause. That's the first one, pause. The R is rejoice. Jesus starts off with, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, praise be, your, be to your name. You know, most of our biggest problems with prayer, when it comes to not praying, most of our biggest problems with prayer are actually with God. And here's what I mean. We don't, we don't see God for how big he really is. We forget how amazing he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is. We tend to to think of God as somebody who's disinterested, mad, scowling, disappointed with us. That's how we view God so often. But Jesus has already referred to God several times in this passage in Matthew 6, referred to him several times as Father. The, the, the first century listeners would have, would have thought this is blasphemous. How dare you call the great Yahweh Daddy? But Jesus says that's who he is. He is your heavenly father. And Jesus says in that moment, you just, you praise him. You rejoice because he is so great. You take a moment and notice what he's done. Tell him, God, great job for that sunset last night. That was gorgeous. That newborn baby, that jazz music, the poetry, my children's laughter, that hiking in the woods, whatever those moments are when you notice the beauty of the world around you that God has provided for you. God, I thank you for that. I praise you for that because you're behind it. You did that. You created that beauty that I get to appreciate and enjoy, and I thank you for that. We rejoice. We pause. We rejoice. Next, we ask Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says as part of the prayer, give us today the food we need, our daily bread. This part, this ask part, this is where we tell God what we need. This is where we talk to him. Now again, he already knows. Jesus told us, he already knows what we need. So don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to, you know, fake your way through it like you did a teacher in high school, right? Don't, don't do that. This is about the relationship, not the request. So don't sugarcoat it. Just be honest with God. God, here's what I need. Now, can I just tell you from, from my experience? This is a little insight into me. When I do these things, when I pause, and I just kind of step back from all the craziness for a minute, and get away from all the noise of the world for a minute, I pause. And then I rejoice. And I spend a few minutes thanking God for who he is, recognizing how big and grand he is, appreciating what he has done for me in my life who he is and what he's done. When I pause and then I rejoice, can I be honest with you, when I come to the ask part of this, my list gets shorter when I do the other two things. My ask list gets shorter because I recognize already how much I've been given. 
my priorities realign a little bit. But I still have asks. I still think, have things I need to ask God. I still take the time to actually ask. God is our Father, and He wants to hear your heart. We'll talk a lot more about that in two weeks. Here's the last one, yield. Jesus says, God, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And can I just tell you, some of the difficulty that we face in life, some of the challenges, some of the stress of life is on us. We've made bad choices. We've hurt other people. We reap what we sow. Unconfessed sin can keep God from answering our prayers and grudges against others can short-circuit our forgiveness. But some of the difficulty we face in life is because of the enemy. And that's why Jesus prays, lead us from temptation and deliver us from evil. Lead us and deliver us. This part of the prayer, the yield part of the prayer, this is where we admit to God that we're not as smart as we think we are. That we're not as strong as we think we are. That we can't necessarily do this on our own. That we need some help. This is the part of the prayer where we recognize that God knows what's best for our lives and we allow him to lead us as we follow him. This is where we allow God's identity to shape our identity. We talked about this at length last week. Go back if you missed it and listen to the podcast. And when we do this, when we do this, when we pause and when we rejoice and when we ask and when we yield to God's leadership in our lives, God's authority in our lives, when we do this, Suddenly, God is no longer just the fire extinguisher behind the glass that you break when there's an emergency. Suddenly now God becomes your best friend. That book that I referenced earlier, Pete Gregg says in that book, here's a simple kind of concept of prayer, and I love this. I'm going to leave this with you today. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, Keep it up. I've got these books for you. I hope you'll take one with you. Let me pray for you now. If our communion team will go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve communion to us. We'll move now to our time of communion. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for who you are, for what you've done. We rejoice in you. That's why we've come to this place today. That's why we've lifted up our voices to you today, because you are worthy of our praise. And so, Father, we come to you now as your children as your people, knowing that you know what we need, so we ask for that now. But Father, we also say we, not our will, but yours be done. And so we yield to you to lead us, not only away from temptation, but to lead us to the places you want us to be, to the people you need us to show your love to. We ask you to lead us. And now, Father, as we follow you, we come to the cross. We come to our time of communion. When we come to the cross, we recognize that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, that we all are sinners in need of a Savior. And so we come to this time of communion recognizing that that is possible through what Jesus did. Through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we can approach you not only with our prayers, but with the hope of eternal life. We can approach you for our salvation, for our deliverance from sin. And we celebrate that now in this time of communion. We ask you to speak to us, to to move in our minds and our hearts as we share together the body and the blood of Christ. I pray this in the name of Jesus.